0: Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast, episode 30.
1: Hello and welcome to the Commas Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas, and welcome to 2021. Technically, as, as of recording, it is still 2020, but... I'm holding out hopes that the year just didn't like magically restart and we're right back in 2020 all over again. Fingers crossed people. I'm, I'm a little bit optimistic here. So what can I say about 2020 that has not been said already by everybody. It was uh, an extremely difficult year for everybody. Uh, very mentally tough, very financially tough for a lot of people. And I can say as it comes to a close. You know, I, I hold out a little bit of hope for, for 2021. Things are still gonna be rough for a while, but I think th- things are moving in the right direction. I'm thankful that for the most part, you know, everyone you know, I know and I care about have kept our health, kept our, uh, kept our jobs, kept, kept moving, <laughs> kept moving forward. I, I managed to produce a lot more work than I expected during the pandemic. And it's a lot of work I'm very happy with. I've got a lot of new collaborations with people. And I've made some new friends uh, along the way with that. And as much as uh, I can appreciate that, I can also realize how, how lucky I am that that's my story for 2020. And a lot of other people have quite the opposite story. So let's hope that 2021 brings uh, a lot more good news for everybody on that topic. There's a bunch of things in 2021 I am really looking forward to uh, to sharing with everybody. I have a couple music projects that I'm really excited about really excited about finishing up Emissary and finally getting that out and having that done. I have some more anthology stuff coming up with uh, some previous collaborators from this year and or from 2020 and yeah just a a lot of a lot of fun stuff planned that I hope uh, I can keep productive and I can just you know get that out because if I do I'm going to be very happy. Um, I'm also just going to be working on just being more positive in general uh again 2020 was a hell of a year for everybody and I think I'm gonna have to you know exercise some of this mental energy on on keeping positive and trying to find the the good in a lot of things to try to keep keep myself motivated keep uh you know keep moving on keep moving forward because like I said it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough road for a while and things are gonna even though Vaccines are out there for the pandemic and all that. It's it's gonna be a while. It's gonna be a while before we're back to quote-unquote normal and It is gonna be uh, easy to get disheartened again if we have any slip-ups along the way and all that so yeah, I'm gonna be using a lot more of my mental energy to try to to stay positive and uh, spread as much of that positivity as I can around and on that topic uh, let's talk about some of my favorite things from 2020. In terms of metal, I listened to a bunch of metal this year—a uh, lot more metal than I have in a very long time. And you know, a lot of it was because of the show. A lot of it was just, you know, intentional <laughs> to, to get back more into music and, uh, and, and enjoying these things. And uh, a band I've come across thanks to another podcast uh, is called Orbit Culture, and their album *Nija* and. This is hands down my favorite record of 2020. It's a uh, melodic death groove metal. And uh, the, the best way I can describe this band is they sound like the young offspring of Metallica and Gojira. And if you know me and if you listen listened to this podcast before, you know how much I love those two bands. So this is so far up my alley, you wouldn't believe. Uh, they are just chock full of potential. This album has a lot of what I love. Uh, big riffs, epic and melodic passages mixed with a good helping of like just brutal screams and some solid blast beats. The vocals by singer-guitarist Nicholas Carlson are definitely inspired by a younger James Hetfield. But the, uh, the screams, uh, they, they are much more mature and they evoke uh, a lot of that same aggression and passion you get from bands more experienced. And that's a lot of the Gojira influence, just that kind of just guttural rawness that they that they extrude the uh, lead guitars by richard hansen they lean more into layers and textures and then as opposed to like ripping out you know crazy solos but it suits the songs perfectly it's there's no overplaying it's everything services the song and it works works together really well uh introspective lyrics and uh, emphasis on rhythm by the solid and super tight team of frederick Lennartsson on bass and Christopher Wallerstead on drums. It just just further cements this as my favorite album of 2020. You get a lot from this album. There's the the pummeling "Day of the Cloud" to the uh, introspective and epic "Set Us Free." The the band is going for a real high bar. And while I don't think you know this will be in history, like I don't think this is gonna be like their best album ever. They are certainly headed towards making that within the next one or two releases, and that's something I'm very much anticipating. So uh, here's a sample of my favorite track, "North Star of Nisia." Okay, so my favorite comic of 2020 is, hands down, the series Mountainhead from IDW. I uh, mentioned the first issue of this series a few months back. I've had the artist Ryan Lee on the show. uh, And now that it's finally concluded, I was just solidified in my belief that this is hands down, like, the best series to come out in 2020 for me. The whole thing is written by John Lee's, art by Ryan Lee, colors by Doug Garbark. Letters and designed by Sean Lee and edited by Bobby Kernow. The series follows a young teen named, a teen, <laughs> named Abraham who's uh, eking out a life with his eccentric and probably not altogether their father robbing homes and living off the grid. Uh, after they're busted by the cops, after one uh, particular break-in, it's revealed that Abraham is actually a young boy who was kidnapped from his original family about 10 years ago. After being returned to a family he doesn't remember, uh, in the sleepy mountain town of Bryrock, strange things start happening and it's clear something is definitely amiss in this place. The series takes some turns into Lovecraftian and John Carpenter-esque suspense and monster action. The script by John Lees is super tight and the pacing makes this five-issue series feel like something you know bigger and much more epic, which I'm saying as a compliment, like it's A lot packed in there but it doesn't feel stuffed or rushed. Uh, A lot is thrown at us and a few big concepts are on display here but it's never confusing and the characterizations are unique and honest. Of course for me the art was the biggest draw of the series because not only is Ryan Lee a friend I am also a huge fan of his work. He has an excellent handle on exaggerated cartoonish figures and shapes but he also adds in these grungy and detailed textures that They not only manage to like ground the designs, but they really just add to the overall unsettling nature of the series. Also, as you would expect from a man who has put out a couple of art books titled Monstrosity, the monsters and creatures here are awesome, gross, and would delight every fan of the thing. Ryan also really pushes layouts a lot in this book and it shows. There's multiple pages and sequences where things are well beyond a simple grid and Ryan handles them perfectly. Uh, Nothing is ever confusing. Nothing is ever lost in the translation. It's all very visually appealing and just coherent, but also interesting. Doug Garbarg's colors are no doubt a vital part to this book as well. Uh, Doug really knows how to work with Ryan's lines in a way that is completely natural yet vivid. He, he knows when to go dark, he knows when to pull back. Uh, I hope these two stick together as a team for whatever the future holds for them. The uh, lettering and design by Sean Lee rounds out the book and while this kind of stuff tends to get overlooked in the grand scheme of things, Sean provides a vital piece to the experience of Mountainhead. His wispy uh, speech balloons were a great touch that it added a, just like a little bit of extra surreal to the whole series, and Sean always does an excellent job, and this is no exception. Okay, so now that I've put out some positivity, I've gone over my favorite stuff from the past year, let's get to one of my favorite conversations I've had this past year. Mario Candelaria is an upcoming writer who has a ton of great credits to his name, and we had a really great chat about metal, social media, wrestling, making comics, scripting for art, just a ton of stuff. So much stuff. Uh, With Mario's help, I think this podcast is starting out the year strong. So let's hit 2021 rolling with Mario Candelaria. So, Mario, as I've been doing this podcast over the course of the year, it really started off with me talking to people I really know. And, you know, I think over the course of the past few couple months or so on Twitter, I've gotten to, you know, see you tweeting and we've been Twitter friends, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I'm getting to a point to where it's like, I want to start talking to new people and uh, you know, just kind of stretching out from there. So I think that I have like a lot of question marks with you because <laughs> as much as um, you know, it feels like you're prevalent on Twitter and and being around, I feel like well, I, I couldn't tell you what Mario's into, so I have <laughs> so I have to I have to say right off the bat, comics, coffee, metal. What are you into right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm. Geez, you know, you probably hit it on the head. I don't think anyone really fully grasps what I am, including myself. But ah, uh, <laughs> oh, geez, comics. You know, I dig a lot of stuff. I love a lot of Marvel and DC. I mean, I dance with. Who, eh, sorry, I dance with who brought me to the party. Right, and that's always, you know, the big superheroes. But yeah. um you know, uh the big event books, of course, uh what's that? Uh Death Metal from D C. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I haven't gotten all of it so far, but you know, I like where it's going. But um a lot of what I'm really interested, oddly enough, is the Power Rangers relaunch that, that okay. boom just came out with. Uh two different titles, Mighty Morphin and then the other one is Power Rangers. Um They introduced the new Green Ranger. I'm going to be honest, I've not been a Power Rangers fan since I was eight or nine with the first season. So when I saw that the comics was pretty much taking up around that time, I thought, hey, this is perfect for me to try to dive into. Um, I don't know what the SPD is. I don't know what the Dino Hunters (laughs) versions are all the other Power Rangers. But uh, yeah, I'm digging what Boom Elise is doing with uh, the Mighty Morphin stuff.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are really digging that. I think uh, the artist Dan Mora just released this like ridiculous, ridiculously like packed super gatefold cover image with like I, I have to assume at least like two hundred power, different Power Ranger iterations <laughs> on there. Uh, yeah, people are stoked. People are stoked about Power Rangers. That was maybe I want to say. I was i was maybe i want to say 12 11 12 13 when that when that dropped so i was just past like the sweet spot for it because i remember when it premiered i was like oh cool and then i was like ah, i don't know i'm almost a teenager <laughs> you know it seems like kind of kiddie stuff you know so you know i bet i kind of missed the whole power rangers thing but you know being on online and a lot of creators, uh, younger creators, like they're, they are absolutely stoked about these books. So
0: Yeah, it's a lot of it's a big topic with my friends. But um, a lot of them have been lifelong fans. Like I said, after the first season, I dropped off, um, I think what happened was I moved away with my family from uh, Brooklyn to upstate and we didn't have cable. And mm-hmm. it's my area if you didn't, like, there's no antenna TV, like there was in New York, so you weren't <laughs> gonna get anything. And, you know, I just Fell off the fandom. Uh, I got into more pro wrestling and such because of my friends. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm glad to be back in the in the
1: in the morphin grid as they
0: say. in the bits.
1: <laughs> No, that, that that's that's awesome. There's a lot of great creators working on those books too. So mm-hmm. it's no surprise that people are pumped about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Dan Moore, like you mentioned, did that amazing triple, quadruple gay fold, uh and now he's the—I want to say—the lead artist on Batman or uh, Detective Comics.
1: Yeah, Detective yeah. Comics, which is, you know, I—I I, I know I know some people who are huge fans of his, and you know, so I've—I would see a lot of his stuff in my feed, and I'm, you know, I—he's one of those guys where you're like, oh yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna hit it big. <laughs> He's got to get him on the right project, and boom, now he's doing Batman. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, um, I'm also digging uh,
0: I Walk With Monsters from Vault. Um, I know Paul Cornell wrote it, but uh, my friend Sally, I'm going to butcher her last name, (laughs) Cantorino, she's the illustrator on it, and she's the reason why I'm purchasing it. I've loved Sally's work for a couple years now, and I'm happy to see that she's, you know, uh, getting out there and getting her moment in the sun.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So you know, talk comics, coffee. What kind of coffee like gets you going? Like, what's your what's your what's your poison there?
0: Yeah, I don't drink coffee. I'm not a coffee person. I'm not really right. a hot
1: liquid podcast person. over. All right, you're out of here. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you very <laughs> no, much. No, no, it's it's perfectly it, it's it's perfectly cool. Well, so what's what's the what's the thing for you? What's the drink for you that like, or you know, it doesn't have to be a drink. It's like a, a specific food or whatever that's just like. This is my thing. I have to have every day.
0: No, um, in the mornings, I love. Uh, this is going to sound weird. I like ice cold stuff, and okay. I always try to do. Um, if, like, if my wife goes to Starbucks, I always try to get orange juice over ice,
1: mm-hmm.
0: something like that. It's the. Um, I don't. I don't know why I never really drank coffee, uh, but it's more of what like the cold. You know, when it hits your stomach and hits your teeth, that that sort of gives me the jolt that I
1: need. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. I, I didn't drink coffee until my mid twenties. Hmm. Like before then I was straight about, you know, straight up tea. like where I'd be the guy like opening up like a diet Pepsi at eight o'clock in the morning. Um,
0: Oh so, yeah, I'm yeah. there too. <laughs> I don't try <laughs> to get that early, but I, uh, I'm addicted to my diet Mountain Dews. Okay. Um, uh, I try to have one for lunch and one for dinner that way. Okay. I, mean, I try to regulate it. Uh, especially now that there's a can shortage, apparently. Let's try them out and do. It. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard yeah, to
1: I, I I noticed that because once the pandemic hit and all that, I fell back on uh, drinking soda pretty hard, and I like the cherry sodas. Okay. So like diet cherry Pepsi or cherry zero Coke Zero whatever, and I noticed like they were like not in stores for the longest time. It was just the, like the regular flavors. I'm like, is there like some weird cherry flavoring shortage oh, wow. or something? <laughs> And then this one day by happenstance, I came across a thing that said there's a can shortage. And I'm like, yeah. oh, well, I guess they're prioritizing the the standards. But I'm like, well, that sucks. <laughs> well,
0: I so, mean, have you gotten to the point where you walk down the aisle and if you happen to see the cases, you'll just grab every one available?
1: No, thankfully, it's, it's not at that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I cannot confirm that I've done that then.
1: Well,. It, it doesn't help that the grocery stores around me, like, the only way it's even, like, financially feasible to, like, not spend a ridiculous amount per case. You have to buy, like, three of them at a time or four of at, them at a time. Yeah. So, it's like, okay, I got to buy in 12 bucks worth of soda. Otherwise, I'm going to spend almost half of that on one thing. So, yeah. It's <laughs> That's <laughs> it's the racket, hustle. Man. That's, that's, that's the hustle. That's the hustle. And I'm a sucker for it, so.
0: I mean, it's my wife. She's like, why do you go to Wawa and get a $2 20 ounce when you can, you know, get, I don't know, something like what? 36, 48 cans for, you know, just 10 bucks.
1: There you go. (laughs) All right. So, you know, we've, we've pegged that, you know, you like the ice cold drink in the morning and, you know, I I can totally dig on that. Um, Especially when it's in the summertime and all that, that's, you know, no one's raring up for a hot coffee. Um unless a psychos that, you know the 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 rare mornings that you do. So now metal. Like I I'm pretty sure I know you like metal. Yeah. Um <laughs> I just don't know exactly what and given the wide birth of metal subgenres and all that, like I can't even fathom the guess like where to start. When uh when
0: i was deep in the scene i was coming up with bands like uh every time i die on earth okay. uh you know bury your dead and stuff like that but um i'm in my 30s now i'm trying to get into more of the classic rock stuff i mean i know okay. that's not per se as cool metal but i've been really vibing blue oyster cult lately
1: okay they're proto metal they're they're in the dna of so many of these earlier metal Ooh. bands that you can't you can't like write them off as not essential or not something you should be going to check out. For yeah, I mean, sure,
0: they have, a, they have a ton of hits. Um, like when I was growing up, I never really listened to older music. You know, I, I had, um, I was into hip hop. So I was listening to hot 97, uh, for a long time in high school. And then when I got into high school, I was listening to more, uh, you know, I'm not gonna be ashamed to say it, but your Olympus get your corn, your Marilyn Manson and <laughs> such. And then, you know, after that, I was into the, uh, you know, the punk scene. So I was listening to what my friends were putting out in your music. But when I got older and um, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Music came out, I started diving into, you know, the catalogs of, you know, where bands got their influences from. And I started really digging the vibes of 60s and 70s bands. But Blue Oyster Cult is really, you know, um, I was surprised how many of their songs I knew but didn't know were them.
1: Like yeah, they are, yeah, they are definitely one of those bands where it's like, "Oh, that's Blue Oyster Cult," or you know, <laughs> for sure. And who, you know, who, and who doesn't know the, the Godzilla song? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I mean, "Don't yeah. Fear the Reaper." That's I think their bread and butter.
1: Yeah, But you definitely. know, "Burning
0: for You." I was like, "Oh wow," I, that's completely different sounds for all these songs.
1: Yeah, and the the cool thing about Blue Oyster Cult is that, you know, I, I call them proto metal, and that's kind of how they've been labeled because so many metal bands have listed them as an influence. Mm -hmm. And it's, if you, if you're a musician and you're like, all right, I'm going to, you know, cover an older song and make it heavier or whatever. You can literally take like any blue oyster cult song. And it is so easy just to make it like a super heavy metal song. So that's where I think, you know, a lot of the uh, influences come, come bare because, you, you, it's the structure and the the tonality of what they're doing. Even even burning for you, like I I I don't know, but I know there's like some like like a, like a dozen sick ass cover metal covers of that song on YouTube or something somewhere. Of course. So, uh, no, yeah, and you know, don't fear the reaper, and how even my you know my all time favorite band Metallica they covered astronomy, and that's like a trippy song, but they made it into the, a heavy Metallica song. So. And it was like effortless. I'll have to check so, that one out. Yeah, they, uh, Metallica did the, uh, Garage Inc. double disc where there's all their covers. They did old covers, new covers. I think that came out in like, what, 98 or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's on It's really good, you know? So, so you mentioned, you know, growing up, you were, you know, you had a brief dalliance with Power Rangers and you, you grew up more, uh, reading, you know, Marvel DC stuff mm-hmm. and getting into wrestling and all that. Was writing comics always something that you were kind of uh, aspiring to or was it just kind of something you just kind of fell into?
0: No, uh, this is not something that I always wanted to do. Um, I ha- I, ha- I have a saying I like to throw out there that just because you like the circus doesn't mean you want to run and join the clowns, right? And <laughs> I very much <laughs> felt that way. Um, I don't want to say I grew up rudderless, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life for a long time. I was into a lot of graphic design and such. And, you know, I thought I was gonna end up more in that field. Um, Then I started writing screenplays and such, and I thought that could be, you know, an avenue before I settled into, uh, you know, your basic uh, corporate job um, in my early 20s. You know, and I found a lot of success there, you know, climbing the ladder. And um, as I got older, I think I was 20, five or so uh you know i started just kicking around ideas in my head uh stories but of course starting on comics you n- never know you know how to yeah how to really get started you know see so google search or look at forums and db art and such back then um but yeah it wasn't until i was probably i want to say 30 um i'm 36 now but it was like 30 where I, where I realized that i could you know, make a make a pretty good go with this stuff. I was also doing comedy for a bit in New York at the same time, but once I stopped, you know, traveling there for for gigs, I started focusing more on comics.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it's it is one of those things where it's like you know, j- just because you love something doesn't mean you want to you want to go do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I have the opposite <laughs> uh, mentality of that though because. I love so many things. I'm like, I should try that. <laughs> I that's you though. Uh, so, but you no, know, that, that's cool, you know, and you're only a couple years younger than me. So, you know, you, you kind of uh, decided to make your go out of it. just kind of around the same time frame I did as well, where it's like, yeah, I think I, I think I could try to do this, you know, let me try to do this. And you brought up the graphic design thing. And I yeah. just remembered that you were posting out, you know, logo ideas and stuff you've done. And some of them are really cool. So it's, I think uh, that's a neat little uh, thing to have in your back pocket there because uh, when you're a writer and, you know, comics and all that, it's every every skill set you have is to your advantage. And if you can, you know, make your own logos and have that kind of like artistic and direct uh, input, to it, it's such a huge thing because, you know, the, the package of it is so important uh unfortunately <laughs> but you know you, you need to have the nice pretty package to it of course and, and you mentioned um, comedy i'm sorry yeah. go ahead
0: no I'll say look, the thing with the with making my logos is um one of my first i think my actual first widely published book uh, i'm not going to say names i don't want to get in internet trouble <laughs> but uh we had a logo that i paid uh quite a substantial amount for and the artist looked at it and was like why did you pay x amount that's something i could have made <laughs> for nothing and ever since then i was like oh uh yeah you know what this guy's right i can i i have the basic skills to know how to make clipping masks and use lasso tools and such i can i could probably do that so i've been practicing ever since and so just the last year i think with quarantine and a bunch of pitches that i've been creating or even just short stories for anthologies i was like you know what let me try to make a masthead with text i mean i can't I can't draw a breath, let alone a figure. So I'm not going to try to, you know, draw the comic, but I can try at least make a pretty cool looking graphic. Some of them are good. Some of them are, you know, duds and I try again, but you know, it's all just uh, repetition.
1: Yeah. it's part of the process, mm-hmm. but no, it's, it's cool that you have it. Cause you also have the, you know, the creative uh, investment in the logo. Like, you know what the story is about, you know, what things represent and you know the the tone and all these things you know that intimately Mm -hmm. so you you have these additional flares you can put on things or these little nods to things or you know whatever you know how intricate you want to be or how subtle you want to be with the logo and whether you want to include some sort of story element in it or things like that so no i think i think that's really cool whenever there's a writer who's like Involved like uh, Chris Sebela, he, you know, he's a graphic designer and he does a lot of the uh, like recap pages and layout, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. That stuff, that stuff, I think is really cool because, um, it just adds like, not that writers don't give <laughs> enough to the comics, uh, it, 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 I think it makes it a more cohesive package. To be honest, like people. Are you know everyone's involved with the 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 look of the final product, much less the the story and all that. So, no, I think that's really cool. You mentioned you were doing comedy for a while.
0: Yeah, uh, I was a, uh, I was performing stand comedian in uh, New York City while I lived in the Greater Philadelphia region. So that was oh. a nice fun uh, <laughs> two hour trip. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm from there and I have friends that live there. So it's easy for me to find a couch to crash on if I needed mm-hmm. a place to, you know, stay. Um, one time I didn't crash and it was annoying. I left here at work at three o'clock and I did a show uh, and I did okay. But one of my best friends, Paul, went with me and I, my goal was, okay, I will take uh, the subway back with him to his place and just drive home. And I'll be home by 2 a.m., right? So he went out to the bar, and this is this is years and years ago. Um, so this is before he was married. But he was we're, we're at the bar, and he met a girl, and uh, they just started talking, and they kept talking, and they kept talking. I'm looking at I'm dead sober because I'm thinking I'm gonna have to leave and drive any minute now. So I'm sitting here watching SportsCenter. <laughs> uh, it's bad when you start seeing the same segments on SportsCenter repeated yeah <laughs> so i'm pissed and that's like right around the same time i stopped doing comedy probably because of him but i uh <laughs> and one of those things i was just like all right i am gonna i was determined to go home and by god damn it i'm gonna go home so mm-hmm. um my wife just happened to be up and noticed i wasn't in bed but she saw me pulling in at the same time and so <laughs> yeah that was probably the last time i did comedy i think because of huh. because of that bad experience
1: well, you know, I think, you know, just the fact that you were going up and doing stand up, that's like utterly horrifying <laughs> to go up there oh, wow. and like I'm gonna try to make you people laugh. And I know it's not that simple or that necessarily that mindset, like I'm gonna mm-hmm. make people laugh, it's just you know, you're gonna do your thing. But it's just the the overall like this can go so bad so fast <laughs> and then I'm still gonna be stuck up here for a few minutes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it um I've yeah. had those moments, you know, I've had it go horrible and I've had it go great. I mean, it really is, uh, alcohol helps to be honest, but that's not <laughs> the best. Cause then you'll forget and get drunk and forget what you're going to say or you're not sharp for hecklers, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, you get to get over your fear of talking in public really quick when you start doing that.
1: And that, and that certainly, I'm sure comes in handy if you're doing a con as well <laughs> now trying to promote your books and, and just, you know, trying to engage with people
0: yeah mike my my con techniques are weird but it is based off of this um i like to i'm a big wrestling fan so i like to call people out if i see them wearing a wrestling costume or a t-shirt and then mm -hmm. we start of course engaging in conversation from there some of them convert over to sales some of them don't but it's just fun to people see and make that connection
1: yeah i i think that's that's huge and it's not you know i've Done similar things with be it with like a band t-shirt or Mm -hmm. or if i see like someone's carrying a print or something that one of my friend you know from one of my friend's table you know or something like that it's it's cool making those connections it's you know it's nice if it comes into a sale but it's you're also stuck there behind the desk behind the table for hours and hours so sometimes it's nice just to have a nice little one minute conversation with somebody (laughs) about something that you're both digging um so you know, you mentioned that, you know, you kind of started going at a run around six years ago, making uh, writing comics. And I would say looking at all the stuff you've done, I'd say you've been pretty aggressive <laughs> towards getting shit done, which I applaud.
0: Thank uh, you. Uh, yeah, it's a little maddening sometimes. Um <laughs> I think right now I'm at a uh, an upswing, but uh as you know when you're a creator and you're at that low point and you feel like nothing's hitting, there's no good feeling about that. Yeah. But uh, you know, um like you said, it's I've been aggressive at it. So it's just uh No and, and you've, been, a you've been
1: you've been a part of a lot of great anthologies, the twenty seven anthology Killer Queen, um which I have a copy of sitting that I have yet to read. Uh, you were <laughs> you were in that uh, gray haven you are not alone which I was in too I saw that on your list I was like oh I was in that too cool <laughs> awesome um, uh, but then you know you've jumped up and you're like in the maybe Sunday anthology that uh, Eric Pulicki and Matt Minor put together and then you also had like your own Mario anthology the Tales from the <laughs> pandemic which yeah. I know I thought was cool and I think I think more writers should do that and as an artist, I wanted to do that for myself where it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I get six different writers and I do six different styles, six different types of stories. That's more ambitious that, you know, that's pretty ambitious for myself to be honest, but, (laughs) but, but seeing, but seeing writers do it, I'm like, yeah, like this stuff is really cool because you get to see these different, just the versatility of somebody, even with, even if it's within the, the context of the tales from the pandemic, It was all different stories, all these different artists with these vastly different styles and Mm -hmm. a lot of great, you know, great art happening. You got guys guys like Joe Hunter and Adam Ferris and Andy Michael and, you know, I'm going to mess up his name, J. Paul Scheich,
0: is it? Uh, I believe so. I never heard it out loud, actually.
1: Okay. Um, But, you know, just different styles and uh, but all great stuff. So was that... So was Tales from the Pandemic kind of something that instantly came to you or were you kind of thinking along those lines and then the pandemic hit and you're like, well, this is the perfect vehicle, <laughs> I guess, to do this with since uh, this happened? Or were you kind of already uh, or was the idea of a Mario only anthology just not even a, a thought on your mind until this?
0: See, that is a that's a very good question. Um And it's not a simple answer. I'm going to have to go back a little bit. I put out online on Twitter saying that I approached comics the way that, I guess, rappers approach music. And when you're up and coming in, you know, music, you want to get on compilation albums. You want to get feature Mm -hmm. spots. Anything that can help, you know, push you to show labels, whoever, that you can be what they're looking for, right? Yeah. Build an audience. And that's how I always felt with uh anthologies was that you know this is a great you know one track for me to have this is a great feature on someone's book you know i might not be the you know the headline on there but hopefully if you know someone picks it up they say hey who's this person also so i wanted to do something that was kind of like a demo tape then just a bunch of short stories put together um if a full graphic novel or, al- or album or excuse me, or if, full, if a full graphic novel or if a uh, miniseries is like an album, an LP, then something like Tales from the Pandemic will be my EP. Um, you know, mm-hmm. something that we just put out there on SoundCloud or in my case, Gumroad, you know, and just push it out. Um, you're going to take a hit financially, but, you know, you get more eyes on the product and you try to build name for, uh, you know, not just yourself, but everyone else involved. Um, that's something I was toying with for a while, but I wasn't too sure what to, uh, you know, like what the story would be or the connecting element. And then when, you know, of course, when, when COVID hit and a lot of my comics friends were losing work because, you know, production was shutting down, I, I wanted to help whoever I could. So I was like, Hey, I have an idea. Why don't you guys give me three pages, you know, and I'll pay you a fair rate for all of them. And then Put a collection out of just
1: you know these uh, three page stories. That's awesome. That's that's a great way to to think about you know getting into comics or working your way into comics because that's it's such a not necessarily tried and true or like definite way to to get more exposure or or to get you know more recognition for doing comics, but it is a pretty solid way to to do that. it's a great way to build up a network of peers and Mm -hmm. people who can, you know, help lift each other up and things like that. Um, Like I I had tried to make a go of something like that when I was first going, but I don't think I was mentally in the headspace to keep doing that. And then, you know, when, once the pandemic hit, I'm like, well, you know, I, I can't, if I'm not going to do a, a, a a a story, for myself I do need oh. some sort of page rate. So I thought like what's a decent like small page rate whatever. So I put that out there. Um, you know that short stories like hey let's let's do something. And you know I've done three or four since which which is nice because after I finished my last big project I was just kind of you know in in pitch hell essentially like doing pitches and stuff that you can't show but and they end up going nowhere and it's like ugh. so like i have this art i can't show anybody and it looks like i just disappeared from making sequential art for like six months
0: (laughs) and that's the thing that sucks um like you said that you can't show anybody anything a lot of what i've noticed past few years in social media is um I I said recently that I feel like comic social media is like an arms race and mm-hmm. everyone out there is trying to put something on there. Otherwise they will feel that they are out of sight and out of mind. Like yeah. if you're not showing that you're creating, then no one will know that you are creating and maybe they'll just, you know, lose interest or drop off.
1: Yeah. And that that's definitely a, you know, a concern, mm-hmm. but you know, in my experience, I've had, you know, especially this year, you know, there's times where I was just gone (laughs) or not posting anything and nothing happened. Like I didn't like lose audience. I didn't, once I started posting again, like I was getting the same average number of interactions and likes on drawings and stuff that I was before. So it's like, okay, so it's not necessarily an out of sight, out of mind thing. And it's really, a lot of it is in your head. Now it's hard to get that out of your head, of course, you of know, course. and for, for writers, I can't even like for artists. It's like, Oh, I can do a quick sketch or something. And even if it's crappy, it's like, Oh look, I'm drawing, you know, look, I'm doing something. And for writers, it's like, you have a little bit more of an uphill battle with, with doing that. Um,
0: yeah. I'll take a picture of my uh, laptop while I'm watching TV. I did that the <laughs> other day, and I was like, I'm writing, and it's just the background image on my laptop yeah. and uh, the yeah. and the football game that was on. Or I'll take a picture of uh, you know my keyboard, or I'll blur out something on the screen, or maybe one of those mm-hmm. mastheads I created. You know, just to show like, hey, I'm creating something. I I don't want to do the standard, and I hate this. Uh, Oh my God. I I can't believe what I received in my inbox type thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's like such a cliche thing to put to put out.
1: Cause you're not really showing
0: anything.
1: You want to have that moment where you, you could say something like that, (laughs) but then you don't want to like participate in the, the announcement of something like that. I totally, I totally understand. I, I, I totally understand and get that and would, to be honest, probably be, probably be hard for me not to do something like that if i ever had like an amazing like news thing in in my inbox but i knew i know it would be like like i shouldn't be doing this (laughs) but i'm still doing it anyway the situation
0: i think that gets easier um you know like the excitement when like when you're getting up you know the the ranks i guess in comics it's weird to say that you know like ev- like every step is exciting as hell right but once you know you've been there for a while uh then it's just a little like it's not like it doesn't hit as hard right but then the mm-hmm. next step would so you gotta think like someone like mark wade or bendis they're probably just like yeah awesome and then they'll just keep on working and then they'll have these big announcements drop and no one you know, predicted or knew of unless and, someone and, stooged them out. Right.
1: Yeah. And they'll literally be like, and, and probably with complete honesty, like, Oh, I forgot that was being announced today. Like, <laughs> well, uh, you know, the guy, the guy, a couple down, you know, a couple rungs down the ladder has that date circled and highlighted on his calendar. And he's mm-hmm. like at 9am, I'm going to post a teaser. And then 10am, I'm going to post the another little teaser. And <laughs> there's like big news coming today. Tune in. Yeah. But you know, a lot of, you know, I think a lot of it is in, in, good fun though like just mm-hmm. kind of like hyping up hyping each you know or like calling out like almost like it's like hey i got this good news like you know kind of try, kind of like trying to rally your your crew together yeah that's to, what it is to, also. To, to help lift you up and all that you know and i think that you know i, I can appreciate it on that level of course for sure no, right, i mean like, it's
0: not sorry uh just because it's not for me doesn't mean that i don't you yeah. know like like it or I don't appreciate my other friends do it I try to signal boost my friends as often as possible and honestly I don't see every post everyone makes so if I see something say hey something you know will be announced later I'll try to make a mental note to check back in on their feed just in case I missed it
1: yeah yeah and I'm not saying either way is good or either line of thinking is better than the other it's just it's just you know it's all you know it's all in good faith I think for the most mm-hmm. part, you know? And, uh, but no, I can, do- I can totally see the point of view and understand and probably aspire to want to have the, the point of view of, yeah, I'm not going to like, you know, boost this, you know, just a random, random like news thing. I can't talk about, but you know, that's, I guess, especially, you know, with comics, it seems like there's no, there's always some sort of bad news around the corner or, you know, it's, there, there's a tendency for uh, wanting to just like boost positive things and have some sort of positivity being pumped out there but but yeah
0: of course <laughs> I mean um, before the world ended I had three comics picked up at the same time and I was of course on cloud 9 and uh, as of right now what's today the uh, the 9th of December I have only one of those still you know, in production because you know uh issues with the publisher or if they you know uh closed down or uh i didn't like the direction they were headed in to you know like uh various things um
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know just changes the course so i mean like you said bad news bad is always around the corner
1: yeah so it's it's understandable when people want to hold on to the good stuff <laughs> as, as long as they possibly can so on, on top of writing comics and all that, you've, uh, you shared with me, uh, that you wrote a short, that, uh, a short film that, uh, I watched and I'm, I'm watching it. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the drop. Like what's, what's the, what's the hook here? What's the, you know, what's the twist at the end or whatever. And I did not see it. <laughs> so when it happened, I was just like, guffawing a bit, like, oh, jeez. <laughs> And that's uh, <laughs> so, you know, the chart is your is the name of your short film and it's won a bunch of, you know, film awards and stuff like that. And was that something was writing short films and films? Is that something that kind of branched off from writing comics or is that something that kind of was in the back of your mind when you're doing comedy, stand up and all that?
0: This uh, the short the, uh, I can't say my stuff. Um, the chart was actually born in the cellar um in the comedy cellar with my mm-hmm. friends um the the lead of the uh <clears throat> of the movie uh terek terek and the director kim hellum uh, we all came up with the same group of comedians uh in you know new york and they were putting together a pilot for a sketch show and that was one of the uh surviving sketches that made it, you know, all the way from uh, the initial meetings all the way to the end. Um, you know, funding for the whole sketch pilot didn't go through, but they filmed a couple of these shorts, and that's the one that everybody felt was the strongest to, you know, submit to film festivals and network with. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that I don't know where that idea came from. Maybe that came from watching, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Too Much Saturday Night Live and Key and Peele, but... Uh, I love Tara and Kim, and just I love being in an environment where you could just sit around and just throw ideas at each other, and that just sort of popped up in my head. of um, I don't want to I don't want to give the twist away, but uh, no, yeah, you know, just it. just the swerve, you know. Um, it, I always love movies, you know. M. Night, he's another Philly guy, you know. He always does his twists, but I think um, Key and Peel did it best on uh, consistently with, you know, a lot of their sketches and that just, Definitely. you know, it's a simple like one or two minute concept that just, you know, turned on a dime.
1: No, I, I, no, it's awesome. And it's, it's additionally cool to see, you know, comic writers branching out into, into other things now. Um, So given the backstory for how uh, this short got made, uh, I'm assuming there's not, you know, or I, am, I, am I incorrect to assume that there's not any like real immediate plans to do any more shorts or anything like that? Or it's just kind of, uh, you know, let's see what happens.
0: Uh, yes and no, that's another one of those, uh, <laughs> not simple answers. Um, you know, as soon as this thing started getting out to festivals and started winning awards, uh, you know, abroad as well as domestically, um, you know, we started thinking of other ideas, uh, of course we looked at you know the notes from our meetings you know back when we first started as well as trying to refine other ones uh a big part of the delays before covid were just the budget Mm yeah um i wrote this i wrote what i felt was this beautiful script and tara (laughs) saw it and she was like mario i love your script but you have like six seven locations and all these (laughs) shots, and i cannot afford this So, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, we're trying to find more simple stuff, but you know, now that COVID hit, of course, um, are in New York city and I'm down here, um, just trying to be able to get together safely and put a crew together, you know, in, in, in a way that doesn't look, you know, amateurish, uh, you know, I think last Sunday used, uh, some type of Canon camera, you know, uh but they had to rent it from someone. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole thing, but I think the big part right now is just COVID and trying to get past this.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine like, what's this done for, you know, the independent film community and just, you know, even if it's a small crew, it's like, what do you do? <laughs> it, it, you're, you're all locked. You can't, uh, I, yeah, it, it just seems to put a lot of probably really cool ideas to Sances. And like you said, you've had three comic projects and, Once uh, COVID hit and all that, you know, be it if COVID was the main culprit to things getting uh, shut down or, you know, going astray, or if it was just something that was going to happen anyway, based on creative differences or what have you. um, It's just, it's been rough (laughs) for all creative industries, but you you do have a surviving comic and it's with the publisher that uh, my listeners should be pretty familiar with because I've had both Bob France and Kevin cuff on the show. And that is scout comics. And they're, they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. And you have this really awesome comic. Uh, you sent me a little preview of it and it to, to, to purposely use a pun and it's bad and I'm sorry, but it's a killer book. <laughs> it looks, <laughs> it looks, it looks great. Um, I, I hope I'm saying it's, right. it's Serge Acuna, right? Yes. Uh, uh, Acuna? Acuna, Acuna, I'm sorry. Like,
0: Akuna Madonna, oh.
1: kind of? Yeah, I, didn't know, I didn't know if there was an NA over the end, but uh, yes. Search Acuna. Um, Kath Lobo, Matt Kratzer, and your editor, James Ferguson. And, yeah, you sent me the preview, and like I love the concept. I think it's a really cool idea. I noticed, you. you know, it's like you have a lot of horror stuff. And I know you probably wouldn't define yourself as a horror writer, mm-hmm. but is that something you kind of feel more gravitated towards, or... Is just kind of that's where the opportunities to write stories have come? Because like you mentioned, doing anthologies and stuff like that is, is, you know, something you're shooting to do and horror anthologies, you know, are more prevalent
0: mm-hmm.
1: than any other type of anthology. So is that just kind of just the happenstance of that? Or do you feel just more of a pool to do more kind of horror related stuff?
0: Yeah. Um when I was doing comedy, one of the things they always said that was uh, oh, horror and comedy are like really close cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always setups and, uh, you know, the punchlines are the, are the payoffs. And uh, yeah, you're right. I, I never really set out to be a, uh, a horror writer. To be honest, I don't know what type of writer I am. I guess I'm more uh, Indie Darley mumblecore than anything, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, this, uh, our book, Kilchella, um, the, the origin of the story came from a news article that I found funny, and it was about this lady uh, from New York uh, who paid, I want to say, around $100,000 to get herself Coachella ready. So it was money in not just wardrobe, but, you know, plastic surgery and, you know, uh, weight loss and, you know, all that stuff. Because her goal wasn't just to look good in her photos. She wanted it to look good in the background of strangers' photos. And I turned to my uh, wife and I yeah. said, what type of people do this? And I was like, man, can you imagine if something bad just happens? And, and that's, of course, where the uh, origin of uh, our comic came from.
1: That's awesome. So did you want to go a little bit more into what Kitchilla, Kilchella is about or, you know, the kind of the elevator pitch? Yeah,
0: so the story is about a group of uh, friends in Los Angeles who they've grown apart, um, as most adult friends do, and they decided to get together for a fun weekend in the desert at a big music festival we cannot legally name. <laughs> so, uh, and of course, you know, at this festival, um, they get invited to in a very exclusive our, uh, VIP concert from a reclusive pop star who's making her return after five years named Topanga Cornell. But what they don't know is that Tapanga's is crazy and she is using this return concert as a mass human sacrifice ritual. And she has enlisted her most obsessive fans to help her pull this off.
1: That, you know, just hearing that is just like, that's, you know, I've, I haven't heard a, a concept like that. Oh, thank and you. I think that's it, really, you know, you, it's, you're, you're taking, you're, you're doing, you know, the great things that, you know, that horror can do and comics can do. You're taking these kind of, because you, you can f- f- kind of imagine a, oh, best friends getting together and having this experience at this massive festival. And then this like, oh, this reclusive person is actually uh you know, s- s- cult or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, insane person it's like okay let's smash those two things together and have something really cool you know something that no one's done yet which i think is really awesome and again the art looks amazing um you know serge is someone who i've seen pop up a lot i think uh going back to wrestling i think he's done some wrestling comics and stuff like that so
0: yeah he was the lead on boom's wwe series that's how i met him yeah. Uh, okay. big wrestling fan. I've said multiple times <laughs> I met him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do that I actually tried to buy original art off of him? Uh, I, cause I'm a collector of, you know, buying pages, but he told me he only does things in digital and that broke my heart. Uh,
1: I, I know a good handful of people who love buying original mm-hmm. art and pages and whenever they're like, Oh, I just found out so-and-so is all digital. Uh, ah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I guess I feel for you, man. Like, um, but I've noticed a lot of digital artists now they're kind of doing that artist proof thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I I, th- I think that's cool. Um, When I first heard about it, I was like, all right, I guess, but you know, if it's, if it's done a certain way, I think that could be pretty neat, you know, okay. and especially for someone who's, you know, it may not e- equate owning, uh, you know, hand drawn pages, but you know, mm-hmm. it's, you're having something cool and unique and limited and things like that. So, but yeah, yeah
0: uh, sorry like a lot of people they um, it's like me having my my rough notes and then an outline and then I write the script right so they'll yeah you know do loose uh, the panels the thumbs and then they'll print it out and then from there they'll do tight pencils and
1: inks mm-hmm exactly so it's yeah it's cool uh, but yeah Serge has a, a real great grasp on dynamicism and just you know and it's really apparent like, I didn't realize he was the artist while I was reading it. And I'm like, who's this? I'm like, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense then. Yeah. So. Um,
0: he has a great eye for fashion. And, of course, you know, having the setting for this story, uh, a lot of the people who go there are big into fashion. And, yeah. you know, I wanted someone who could capture different body types, but also, you know, uh, who has an, a good finger on the pulse of you know, what the current clothing trends are uh, Mm -hmm. for different people, for influencers and such.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I can say myself included, you know, that's always like the most difficult thing when you're like, Oh, I got to clothe normal people. What do normal people wear? (laughs) (laughs) And and what do normal people who like actually care about how they look? How do they, what do they wear? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I, I, I wear a lot of wrestling t-shirts to work since COVID. I stopped cutting my hair. I stopped shaving. I started wearing t-shirts. You know, because uh, I'm the only person yeah. in the office sometimes. Um, but I still read GQ. I read Vogue. Uh, I get those magazines mistakenly sent to me at work because I guess someone put the <laughs> wrong address. But, you know, I thumb through them <laughs> and I try to keep a mental, you know, uh, Rolodex of, you know, what's coming up in fall, this bubble best for guys, you know, and of course the burnt mm-hmm. siennas and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's good to have reference, and it's always, you know, for writers, it's always great when writers provide good reference, like, here's what I was thinking, you know, for this thing or whatever, and as an artist, I greatly appreciate whenever a writer does that, because, you know, not that I don't want to put the work in to figure this thing out, but if I can get in your mind space so we can start gelling a lot faster, then that's all bonus stuff.
0: Yeah, I should send you one of my scripts just so you could see the amount of hyperlinks I embed for every (laughs) single thing. Um, I recently had a conversation with someone, and I I would like to get your take on this as an artist, but um, my friend Danny Earls, I sent him a script that I wrote recently, and he said he loved the script, but as an artist, I had so many specific references and uh, shots that he did not feel inspired as an illustrator. So how do you feel about that from your side?
1: I think it's, it's very much, it's a case by case gray area type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with scripts that were exactly that. Like everything down to a T was like, not exactly Alan Moore level, but uh, I don't I don't think Alan Moore called out like camera placement and stuff, but stuff that, you know, was just very, like they knew what they wanted. But I think I've been fortunate enough to work with writers who are like, if you want to do something different, you know, go ahead. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's always layouts and stuff being passed back and forth. But, yeah, there there is um, the more direction given sometimes can it can kind of like throw you off your game a little. Not that it's, uh, you know, I, I could you could call it uninspiring, but it's more like just like, OK, I have to get you know, this out of my head so I can kind of approach it how I would approach it normally and see what's going to work best visually because that's my job. So, you know, the more input that the writer gives in terms of what the visuals are going to intend, you know, what they intend the visuals to look like, Mm -hmm. that can, it can, it, it can be like a little bit of a hurdle. But I think that's where communication comes in and I think that's a crucial part of collaboration between artists and writer is making sure there's that communication where it's like, you know, hey, I'm really specific in all this, but, you know, if you want to just go at it different, go ahead. And, and maybe it might be a thing where it's like, if you know, if you're going to work with art, ask them kind of like, how, how do they like the scripts? How do they, you know, what kind of direction do they have? Because um, I've worked with, you know one page descriptions, you know, one sentence, you know, uh, per panel descriptions of what's happening. And then they fill in the dialogue, you know, m- not necessarily the Marvel style, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I've had stuff that's been very detailed talking about, Oh, and there's, you know, it doesn't play into the story, but you know, there's this kind of stuff in the background kind of telling, talking about who the character is and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, it's, I don't know if I'm helping you <laughs> with this. No, absolutely. This. Um, but I, I can understand where he's coming from, but it's also like, well, then that's, you know, that's where it's like, okay, well, let me not necessarily push back a bit, but let me say, hey, yeah, this is a lot to like try to like, and, you know, for myself, I will always try to do it the way the writer's asking to do it first, because I don't, uh, you know, I don't, instantly think like i know better so i'm like all right well let me see how how they want it and let me see if that works and you know it's it's you know i wouldn't i i don't have a percentage to spout off like how much that's correct how much that's not but i think it does you know i would say every time i've had a project like that i have made changes but it doesn't necessarily mean i've you know completely ignored everything the writer was saying it may be something where it's like you know what, this seems like a lot, but it seems like a lot because it's one panel. So maybe this has to be a thing that's broken up to two panels. uh, And then you can just kind of like work at it that way. So, Yeah, I prefer
0: when that happens. Um, Like, I'm not going to be uh, a dictator about this and say, no, it has to be like this. Uh, If someone comes at me with another take and says, hey, what if we do this? And I say, yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and um, again, it, it really depends on the relationship you have, because you could just be in a situation where it's like, I've had this script sitting here for for a while. It's yeah. the script, and an artist is like you, you get paired with an artist to do something, and it's like, okay, you're here's the script. So you know they can start working on it, and it's like, well, I don't work. I don't like working this way. So it's like, okay, well. You know, you don't have a frame. You know, you didn't have like, an initial conversation when you're developing the the story and all that. Um, no, you have like, to sit down
0: and talk. I mean, it's like. Uh...
1: It's like an arranged
0: marriage, right? You can't just meet the bride the day that you're (laughs) marrying them because how do you know it's going to work out?
1: Yeah, but sometimes that's what happens with like anthologies if you don't have a say in who your artist is and stuff like that. Um, You know, I've, the writer I've worked with most recently, Philip Butthorn, you know him, Mm -hmm. uh, at the Illuminerd, Illuminerdy? Yeah. uh, On Twitter. You know, his, his scripts are, you know, they got plenty of detail on them but they're not you know so bogged down with like this is the way this has to be, and anytime I've made a change or uh, an adjustment or something, he's been more than happy to roll with it and, and do his thing, and that's been great. Like I said, I've been very lucky with working with writers who are like understand where I'm coming from and are like, Yeah, go ahead, let's roll with it. I think uh, maybe like one or two occasions I've ever had like a well, I really wanted it this way. So then, but then you know, then they make their case, and as much as art is a creative output and a a creative field and all that, it's also a commercial field. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're gonna do it. You're gonna have to do a thing. There's like, okay, well, that's not how I would do it, but this is the writer. You know, this is you know, this is the collaboration here, and he he's really making the case for this. Am I really that strongly opposed to doing it this way? So you know the and i i kind of like i use the term inspired but i kind of hate the term inspired because it's just like you sit down and do the work cuz there's been plenty of times where i'm not inspired to go draw but i'm like i have to get this page done so i sit my ass down and i start working and the next thing i know i got i'm rolling on the page and that's you know that's for every creative outlet i'm sure but it's it's nice to have the inspiration where it's like oh yes i'm i'm you know mentally Pumped for this, and this is you know, it's got it's got all my little uh, you know uh, whatever brain space that you know creative stuff comes from. It's all flared up, and I'm ready to go, and that's great. But sometimes you just you you gotta you gotta grind it. But you know, I've done a lot of. I think some of my best stuff is done when I when I've just sat down and grinded stuff out. So
0: it's not overthought, right? It's just like sit down and get to this, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like I, I, I've likened it to when, you know, when I go running, like there's days where it's like, man, I really do not want to do this run today. And then I have like one of my best runs ever. You know, it's like, OK, well, <laughs> I just went and did it and it ended up being a much better experience than I could have possibly expected. You know, and again, it's not a 100 percent foolproof plan, but it's, it's part of the it's part of the deal. Right. Like you, you can sit down. You're like, OK, I want to work on this story. I'm all jazz and you can even even be inspired but then like whatever you do you're like this isn't it this isn't it this isn't it which is probably like a prop I think is like a problem with the feeling of inspiration Mm -hmm. where you you have the the gusto to do it and then you do it and you're like oh that's that's like maybe 50 percent of what I thought I was doing or what my my brain wanted it to be you know so it's it's uh it's rough (laughs) <laughs> it's rough, but it's challenging and it's fun. And it's it's a little bit of and in, like intoxicating almost. Like it's creating stuff is is great, but it's it's not always uh, fun.
0: <laughs> no, um, well, a big part with this story that's and Dan that he gave that good feedback on uh, there's not a lot of dialogue, so okay. you know it's specifically telling a story through body language or cropped shots for reveals that would come later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um normally I try to keep it loose if I uh I hate when the page breaks <laughs> you know yeah. I try to keep one script on one page and if, yeah I hate when the page breaks I'm just like damn it Why I really not? appreciate that as an artist
1: yeah. when when it's one page per like like if yeah if you if even if it's like all right well the just the amount of dialogue I have on here is pushing this out like well, then, just give me the idea of what they're saying, because I don't want to see this page break into <laughs> the next one. <laughs> and I think, and I've and I've went and I've laid out a four-panel page, and next thing I know, I flipped the page and I'm like, oh shit, there's like two more panels on this page. Oh <laughs> uh, jeez. Yeah. Um, well, no, but I get what you're saying, though. If, if it's a, if it's like a mostly silent story, you know, I would appreciate a more descriptive script because I want to make sure I'm properly conveying what your what your thoughts on it, what your ideas were. Yeah. So if it is down to like body language and stuff like that, um, you know, I would have to examine it in that way. But again, you know, it's, it's all, you know, sitting down and working it out. Cause for me, layouts and thumbnails are like pulling teeth. Cause it's like where you make all the hard decisions. And even if it's like four scribbles to signify a person, it's like, you know, so much hesitation and thought and, back and forth went into like where that person is placed and the angle that person is being seen at, it's, it, it's, it's, the most draining part. I think the actual penciling and inking of the work, it, it, that's where the most of the fun comes in, you know, where that, that's where you can really sit down and, you know, grind things out and kind of like trust in your skills and sit down and just get automatic with it, you know, and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm sure it's like that with writing too. When you're breaking the story or trying to get the idea and the concept together, it's like, oh man, there's like so many things. But then once you're rolling and you have that core stuff down, it's all like, oh, you know, you you, you get to, to fly a little bit more. It's, it feels a little more freeing, I think.
0: Absolutely. I um, for me, a lot of writing doesn't look like writing. And this is a joke my wife and I have, but um, I'll be <laughs> in the back room playing Red Dead you know, uh, watching wrestling, just on my phone mess around. But my mind is trying to you know, work out, work out the details. So that, I, you know, when I do sit down to start scripting, I have the direction I want to go in. Or if something's not working out, you know, I need some menial tasks to help distract my mind just enough. So that way, you know, uh, subconsciously, I can try to come up with what I need.
1: Oh, totally. And that, you know, I totally you know, agree with that, even with art, you know, when I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of layouts and stuff like that, I'm not glued to the piece of paper, you know, and also, you know, being, you know, a father of two, like, I I can't, (laughs) I can't spend eight hours on layouts consistently. So, you know, it could be I'm out on the walk with with my kids or something, or I'm at the store or something. And, you know, I'm still thinking about, you know, okay, so what if I use this angle, you know, here mm-hmm. and, and all that? You know, I'll put on, you know, some music. You know, I try to find uh, you know, music and comics, you know, merging those two things is a big thing for me. So, you know, I try to like you know, listen to something that's kinda of giving me the feel of what I'm feeling from the story and yeah. kinda of letting that guide me to like the pacing and, and things like that. So even if it's like during a run or during uh, a menial task, like you said, washing the dishes, <laughs> or <laughs> you know, uh, not so much playing video games anymore, but uh, yeah, just doing something where you you can kind of like you know have your brain running in dual mode for a while, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I think that's the, I think that's a really great uh, tool for creative people to to utilize is having your brain run in those two modes because. Um, love them or hate them. One of the, you know, smartest things I ever heard was when Rob zombie was talking about how he makes music. And like he said, he'll put everything he has down, whatever, make a demo. And then he'll throw it in the car and then he'll drive around and listen to it because he's focused on driving and not like running over people and stuff like that. He's, he's, he's not, he's not, he's not 100% listening and dissecting everything he's doing. And he, and from there, that's where he can hear Different elements that he wants to add and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very much the same concept, I think. So, like you said, yeah, so much of writing is the you know the, the, is not sitting down to keyboard and typing. It's the thinking, <laughs> which is hard to explain to people who don't do it, right? It's like, yeah. what are you doing? I'm writing. It's like it looks like you're just like staring out the window, <laughs> or or it looks like you're playing a video game, or. You know, so it's like, yeah, but I'm 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 doing I'm doing two things. I swear,
0: <laughs> it is fun trying to explain that to people. Um, when you talk about listening to music, I don't know if maybe I'm just a weirdo, but I like to um, listen to the same song on repeat. Just I'll just put on something that I'm feeling, and I'll just have that on. Um, sometimes it's music scores, sometimes it's lyrical songs. Like the other day, I listened to the Fargo uh, FX series soundtrack and their overture that they have. I guess the main theme is a really good orchestra piece. so I just mm-hmm. had that on loop. And the next thing I know, I says I have 120 plays because I just never turned it <laughs> off.
1: No, I've, I can definitely fall into, into that, you know, where it's like, I'm really about this song right now. It's, it's lighting something in my brain where it's like, okay, this is carrying me. So mm-hmm. let me, you know, let's repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, and then, you know, it'll get to the point to where it's like, I never want to hear that song again. Until like, <laughs> exactly. Until it's like six months later and you're like, all right, yeah, that song was awesome. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of that happens. Like, like these days, a lot, you know, a lot of my layouts and stuff, like I, I've worked that out while I'm running. And a lot of that is, you know, I have my set list of running songs that occasionally get something added to it. So mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, really working on something, it's it's nice to have a soundtrack, And but also I'm, I'm so familiar with the songs. It, it's kind of like the Rob Zombie thing is where it's like I'm so familiar with my running route, the songs I'm listening to, that my mind can have the most focus on the story I'm trying to, you know, visualize in my brain. So these other elements, you know, are keeping me just distracted enough to where I'm not over... Overthinking things, so that way when I do sit down, I can, you know, I'm not staring at a blank page, overthinking what I'm trying to do. Like of I course. already have a game plan, so. Because yeah, yeah have you, a playlist. Sorry, <laughs> what are you saying? No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead.
0: I have a playlist like that, and it starts off with the chain, and then it goes straight mm-hmm. to, to heaven. Then it goes into money, and those are my top three played songs because whenever I feel like <laughs> writing, I will put on that playlist, and sometimes I don't. Make it past the third song before I know what I want to do.
1: No, that yeah, that's you know, it's it's cool to have that as uh uh, uh that your launch your why well, I cannot think of the term the diving board or whatever you, whatever mm-hmm. your launch pad for for going off. So yeah, you know, my playlist I tend to just like oh right, here's like ten songs that have the right feel for me when I'm drunk for when I'm you know running or whatever. And then I just hit shuffle. So that way I'm not, it adds a, that extra bit of mystery of like, <laughs> all right, I know the song front to back, but when, <laughs> when's it coming up? Yeah. You know, and then when a new song is introduced and all that, obviously that's uh that's uh, a different thing, but it's, yeah, it's, and, it, and, you know, we're talking about this This kind of works for us, but that doesn't necessarily all work for everybody else. Like there's people who like, no, I need to like sit down and stare at that white page in complete silence. Or I need to sit down in a bit in a crowded cafe or in a busy area and just have this cacophony around me. So, you know, before I do my thing or whatever. So it's, I think that's a, a not discussed enough thing with creating stuff is like, everyone's going to have a different different preference for what makes, where, where are you comfortable creating? Where are you comfortable doing your thing? And while you won't be able to like always have that spot, place, frame of mind method, whatever, you know, I think it's important to find what your most comfortable thing is. So that way you can always, you know, do your best to try to aspire to get to that place. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it, it I think some people don't think about that enough cuz you know I I could I could I would think that my space would be somewhere else but it's it's actually this other thing. So, you know, let me try to do that. And if it if you're more comfortable creating, you create more. It's just a fact. So,
0: you know, I'm going to say I'm glad you brought up writing in cafes. That is something I despise. I have a <laughs> I have a relationship that is akin to hate the sin, love the sinner. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate the act of it, but I like people who do that. That makes sense. Um, I feel that it takes up a spot at a dining establishment that I could have sat down and enjoyed a scone or something while my wife drinks coffee, instead. It's a guy who set up their full office with a desktop computer and two like dual screen monitors, oh, <laughs> and then they get mad at you if you interrupt their conference call by ordering your food. That's <laughs> quite extreme, a... but yeah, yeah, those I mean
1: those people should probably be shot into the sun. But <sighs> you know, the guy sitting at his laptop, you know, this not to you know call it a stereotype, but the stereotype of the guy banging on a screenplay and laptop in the cafe. Um, you know whatever works for you like you know I think I think it should embrace it should be embraced Um, like I remember I I don't know how true this is but I remember Greg Capullo you know the mega star artist of Batman and Spawn like he just mentions that he draws in silence
0: wow really
1: Hmm. which I'm like what like as much metal this guy loves like you know Really, you know, and I don't know how true that is or how consistent that is, but I just remember him answering a few times when that question was brought up. Like, yeah, I just sit down and I start drawing, and no music's playing; it's all in my head. Well, and it's like I guess oh, he was not right, well.
0: clanging and banging with the weights that he's talking <laughs> yeah. so quiet.
1: Right? I, um, I think I think he did reference like that's where <laughs> that's where he's <laughs> pumping the tunes, which like okay, oh. that makes sense. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it, it you know, it, it is about finding, you know, especially these days where it's like there's s- access to so many people who are creating, you know, you can't really afford not to, you know, try to at least find your more, most comfortable space doing it. And even going back to the, you know, the idea and the stress of like having to show you're working all the time and doing all mm-hmm. these things, it's like, you know... How do you do? How do you do that if you're not, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, embrace that idea of like, okay, well, I have to, you know, at least a few times a week show a drawing or show something I'm doing, you know, it's a lot easier if you just know yourself and where you can do you you can do your best stuff, and you know that may take some time for some people, but you know it, it's it's an endeavor I think that's well worth it. So. Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay. Sorry. I just,
0: <laughs> no, I was just soaking in what you said here. I mean, it, yeah. uh, like I said, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, you have to play the game, but at the same time, you hate the game.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think, you know, it, it again. it's really, you know, different and also different communities are the same. Like, I can only speak to the, the community around me and the people I know around me where it's like well you know even if i'm not drawing i am pretty much on social media every day Mm -hmm. you know which i probably shouldn't be (laughs) i don't think anyone should be but you know that's just the fact like so if even if i'm not posting art or able to post things you know i'm still at least trying to engage those who are posting art and things like that so i there is that like you said you know way back in the beginning like the people are gonna forget you You out of sight out of mind which You know, and these days feels like a very real thing, but, you know, I don't think it is like, you know, especially if you've taken the time and you've, you know, found your peers and you've nurtured those relationships and you have genuine, you know, interactions with people, Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you're gone for a week (laughs) or two weeks or whatever, you know, people will probably know, you know, will most likely notice you're gone or they'll probably think, Oh man, he's taking probably taking a break off Twitter. Good idea. Like, you know,
0: <laughs> I think a big part of it is also the algorithm for social media
1: where the oh, more definitely. people interact with you, the more they will see
0: your stuff. So even if you take a yeah. break, you risk dropping off of someone's algorithm.
1: Yeah, that that's a definite thing. And you know, cause there's, there's people, you know, that I, you know, people that I'm friends with and people that I'm constantly interacting with, but you know, I'll see them retweet something they tweeted earlier in the day. I'm like, wait, I was on Twitter around this time. I did not see this. Like, when was this? So, you know, even if I have like the settings on Twitter, like to show me all the latest tweets first, I still think there's some fuckery behind there where they're not showing you everything because things are still like being gamed somehow. And Instagram, I don't even know Instagram. Like, I have an Instagram. I don't try to play that game. <laughs> like I, I, I tried for a while, like doing the hashtags and all that stuff. And it's like, it, 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 it's the, I, I don't know what the algorithm is there. Um, so I'm just like, whatever, I'll put stuff up on there, but I'm not, I'm not trying to like build any like huge following there because you can't, <laughs> I, I don't know how to game that system.
0: No, Instagram like Facebook are weird for me. Um, Instagram, not so much, but like you said, you can't really figure out that algorithm. Facebook, I will see the same articles from the same people on the first, like when I open up the app for like a week. And I've, like, I pull down the refresh, but it's still whoever mm-hmm. talking about the same thing. I'm just like, is this a new post? No, it's the same one. So I don't know what settings I have to do to see latest first on there.
1: I don't think Facebook lets you do that which I think is a huge, huge weird thing. And yeah, you know, for Facebook, I do put art stuff on Facebook, but again, it's like, it's, it's treated, you know, with less attention even than my Instagram. Like, like, oh yeah, I, I guess I should put this on the Facebook thing too. Like my Facebook is mainly just keeping in touch with people I know and stuff like that. And just, yeah, it's the Facebook page for my art is just like, the, uh, <laughs> like the cast out of my social media family. Like, yeah, it's, he'll, he'll, I'll throw him a bone every now and then, but mainly it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, it's, it's, you know, my quote unquote biggest following is on Twitter, which, you know, even then, you know, you could have 15,000 followers. Uh, not that I'm, anywhere possibly near that but fifteen thousand followers but then you look at person's tweet people's tweets and stuff and there's like you know less than 100 engagements or likes or retweets or whatever so it's like what is that like i don't i don't i don't understand you know (laughs) like it's all algorithms and like playing a game and it's like it's it's maddening because sometimes you get sucked into wanting to to lean into that and then you're like okay how do i do this and you try to do the things and it's like Well, I'm not seeing any improvement then you get you know this like the i don't know what the hell to do (laughs) should i just delete this whole damn thing and just go away (laughs) you know i don't know
0: you know i try to um my facebook is pretty much just cross posts with instagram i will you know do stuff on instagram and i'll just say share to facebook and that's mm -hmm. pretty much how i leave that i'll say happy birthday to people i get alerts for happy you know like for people's birthdays of course I, i don't get alerts for much else
1: yeah yeah, but my Instagram is literally just like art or guitar stuff. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a lot. That's probably why I don't do like personal stuff on Instagram. You know, and that's probably one of the things that, you know, juices the algorithm. Like, if it's like, oh, he's posting, you know, selfies of himself or he's posting like, lo- you know, scenic looking locations. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this. Like, sometimes when um, there's a glitch in Instagram, there'll be like a descriptor of the photo. And you can get like peaks into the algorithm, in it, where I'm it's not like it's, sure. it's like it's. I've seen stuff where it's like it literally describes the photo, and it's, it's it's just weird seeing it broken down that way. And you know it's because it's being run, you know, it's being run through some image recognition thing. While after you know while it's posted, and you know for recommendations and stuff like that, but it's just weird seeing that like laid out <laughs> instead of the image it's good no. yeah
0: I've missed yeah. that I mean I've gotten weird uh, targeted ads for things I just casually talk to my wife about or things I'm thinking about and <laughs> I'll yeah. for it. but <laughs> I've never seen just like in lieu of a photo the description of it
1: hmm. yeah one was one was my buddies he was like uh, he posted a, a picture of him uh, feeding his son and it was like oh uh, a man uh, and it was like in parentheses like oh, approximately in his 30s uh, spoon-feeding a young child and then like possibly male or something like that. Like it was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, and that's some, um, that's some, I don't know if you ever played Assassin's Creed,
0: but that's some Abstergo Industries stuff right there.
1: <laughs> you know, that's no, I, I have not like the, the most recent video game I've played is like Skyrim. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that was oh no, wait, I've, I played the, the first new doom on my PC oh, after, yeah. but that's because I got it for like six bucks after like eternal came out and I played it for like, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to take one day a week and I'm going to relax, I'm going to play my video game for an hour or two and you know, I'm at that age, where I call it, my video game, um and just do that. And then I did that for like 2 weeks and then I just stopped. <laughs> so, but yeah. you know, I I went and I got this stupid white screen monitor, so I should probably pick that up again cuz it probably it looks pretty damn cool on there. So, um but yeah, it's social media and it's it's uh it's a mind mindfucking <laughs> sometimes and yeah and seeing like the 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 skeleton behind it is just like that was really jarring i think and i was just like okay well you yeah, know, that's what we're reduced down to right just like you know if you know you you could say like well you know because i think was it does it twitter does that where you can add like uh a visual descriptor.
0: Yes, I never for used people. it.
1: But you can. So it's like okay, well, that's an accessibility thing. That's cool, but it's also like, well, where did that come from? I'm and I'm sure like their first thought wasn't like, oh, let's figure out how to way you know how vision impaired people can better use our 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 platform, and and more like, oh, how do we break down these images so we can you know benefit ourselves most. <laughs> you know i just wonder we,
0: how they find me
1: yeah <laughs> so yeah it's it's crazy you know and and especially with com- the comics industry the, the twitter and social media it can drive you nuts and has driven me nuts and and it's just it's rough it's rough but so you know that's why you know it's it's important to try to keep positive and just put the positive things out there and you know, touching back to what we said about the, you know, the secret news, great secret news, like, you know, just kind of like maybe embracing more of that than, you know, the, the, the negative stuff or the, uh, the movements out there with full of not great people, <laughs> uh, it's, it's about yeah. not great things.
0: Oh, geez. Um, uh, yeah. I try to, I try not to talk about negative stuff. Um,
1: yeah. You know, I will,
0: I try to talk about things I like, Uh, except football Sundays, I will explain my disappointment (laughs) with the Philadelphia Eagles. And if I'm watching wrestling, I'm just like, yeah, I don't like this.
1: (laughs) My favorite thing about Twitter on Sunday is seeing everybody that who's in the, who's in the football, just bitching about football. Yep. It's hilarious. Um, I don't know enough to like hold a steady conversation in terms of like teams and stuff like that. But you know, I have i can follow enough based on what people say but it's just like oh like this is like hilarious to me like just (laughs) and then the rivalry you know the friendly rivalries that pop up between creators for the for their sports teams and stuff like that and it's just yeah i think uh who's who's a big one on sundays i think uh gavin goodry is big (laughs) about posting um of course joe mulvey He's, uh, <laughs> he's always swearing about some sports team. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just entertaining to me because it's like, I don't get it, but I get it. It, it, it seems like, uh, I never got into the, into the watching the sports though. I understand it, you know, just like the wrestling. Like I, I totally understand like the fun of wrestling and stuff like that. I just never really, really got into it. Like the peak that where I would have gotten to, it was like, you know, the early, just before the Attitude Era of WWE. Okay. Like, that's where I remember watching it the most. Where you had guy, where you, you still had like the Ultimate Warrior and Undertaker and Tatanka and stuff like that. And, um, what was it? Ah, oh, what was his name? Yokozuna. Yokozuna. Uh, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, kind of like the, you know, the beginning of, uh, WCW. Okay. A little bit. Um, but, at, you know, I, was never consistent watching it or whatever and, and anything like that. But no, I get it. What people dig it. Cause it's, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun thing. And it, the storyline, you know, if, if you're into comics and you're like, I don't get people into wrestling. It's like, do you get <laughs> comics? Like, yeah. It's like it's <laughs> like oh, the closest it's thing big. we like, have really, you know, aside from like the TV shows, it's like, this is like real people doing crazy ass shit. <laughs> um,
0: I don't so, get the creators who say, oh, wrestling's fake. I'm like, yeah, so it's Dragon Ball Z and all the other stuff you like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, you know Grant real? Gustin isn't actually running that fast, right? Like, <laughs> you know, Stephen Amell doesn't know how to shoot a bow and arrow that well, right? You know, you get that, right? So, no, cool and, enough. and it, it, you know, the wrestling, it, it's fake. It, it's scripted, sure, but, I mean you see these guys in their later years, they're battered and broken. And it's like, of course, that shit was real. <laughs> Those hits were real, man. Like it's rough, you know? And Good I, I think that's, I, th- I think that kind of has to do something to do with like the, you know, not that to speak on something I'm not totally familiar with, but mm-hmm. there seems to be kind of like a Renaissance with wrestling. Now televised wrestling and stuff like that with like AEW and stuff like that. Cause I hear enough about it from people who are really into it. And I think People knowing more of the behind the scenes stuff and people, you know, understanding like the physical aspects and tolls a lot more with what people are doing. It's not such a there's not such a like an iron you know, iron curtain behind, you know, that's the secret stuff, you know, someone gets hurt or whatever. So I think that's actually been a benefit to that industry. Because people, you know, it becomes more relatable, it becomes more you know, not that the average person can go up there and do that stuff, but it's like, oh, these are people too. And, you know, it, it becomes yeah. a bit more, it becomes a bit more because it's fun to have the larger and life, larger than life actors of that and all that. But, you know, those, the prime of that, I think is kind of going away, especially if, like the Undertaker retiring and stuff like that, like where it's like these complete shrouds of mystery and stuff like that and. You know, you seeing like the Undertaker do those cameo videos or it's like, (laughs) or just have, just have, you know, I saw, I watched the episode of the Hot Ones Hot Wing show with the Undertaker in it. And he's just speaking like a normal dude. And it's just like, you know, but for like, you know, 40 years of his life, he couldn't do that. (laughs) You know, he had to be the Undertaker whenever he was doing interviews. So, you know, it's, it's, I think that's been a boon to the industry. I don't know. As a fan, do you think that's true? Like, that's been kind of a a benefit to wrestling having that kind of more insider type uh look into things
0: yeah i mean uh i'm i'm a more mature adult now so i appreciate the human relatable aspects of you know okay this is someone who's good at their craft and their performance you know and this is how they do it Uh, this is how they got into it this is how they got started you know, I know that let's say one character who's playing an evil foreigner doesn't hate America. He loves working in America. You know, yeah. he's probably <laughs> born in America the whole time. They just said, "Hey, put on an accent and pretend you're, you know, from wherever." Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I can see. It's like it's like comics now, right? You can you can read the Spider Man and have no idea who writes it who draws it you have no care who writes it who draws it. you just want to read spider-man or you mm-hmm. can just dig in further and say okay uh you know i know who dan lot is and you know um a lot of the other artists you could dig into their social media and follow them and see what else they're doing what they're up to and if they you know post you know works in progress and you know, commissions and such. I mean, it's it's there's parallels with that now uh, because of social media, where it's not like when I was a kid, I had no idea who Todd Zanga was. No, <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, he's a comic book writer. <laughs> I guess he wrote a bunch of Spider Man issues and a bunch of
1: X Men issues, but yeah, it, I wouldn't yeah, have it, known
0: because I'm reading it. You know, Spider Man yeah. and X Men.
1: Yeah, it's wild to me. Like, so, so, as much as I've like talked about, you know, about some of the negative effects of social media, it is it is kind of awesome where it's like. Oh, Jerry Ordway just like the tweet of a drawing I did.
0: <laughs> like,
1: <Yeah>. what? <laughs> like and you know instantly I'm drawn back to like when I'm like, you know, 13 years old seeing George, Jerry Ordway comics displayed in Wizard magazine and stuff and I'm like, yeah. What is going on here? So, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, I, I I can totally see see what you mean with the parallels of everything in that. I felt that
0: way recently. I had, um, someone was talking about comics that you started with, and I never read DC until Kevin Smith did a Green Arrow run. Mm. And, you know, I said, um, more or less, I would have been reading, I've been reading DC since, I want to say, 2004. Uh, but I put that out there. Like, I never really read DC until Kevin Smith started with his Green Arrow run, and Phil Hester liked the tweet. I was like, oh, wow, Phil was the artist on that run.
1: <laughs> yeah, Phil's great. Great. He's That's great. one of those things.
0: Like, oh shit, this guy's seeing what I'm putting out. Maybe I should <laughs> watch what I say. <laughs> uh,
1: no, Phil. Phil has. Uh, he's kind of like the uh, the really cool uncle of mm-hmm. comics. You know, he's he's definitely you know ultra talented and you know still you know one of the best artists out there. Um, but he's also been around enough to where it's like you know so many of us can hold him in some, in some point of reverence where it's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, feel like my tweet. Cool. Like, <laughs> or, you know, whenever there's like a drawing or something I post and an artist, I really respect. will like, even if it's just like a work in progress or a sketch or whatever, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, they saw that. And they're like, Oh, that's, eh, that's fine. Like, like, you know, you build it up in your head, of course, you know, but you know, cause how many times do we like things in a day, you know, so it, it's, but it's you know really cool just to see that the little modicum of interaction with people that were, like you said, you didn't know who Todd Dezago was. Like, he's, he was a name. He's the guy who wrote Spider Man. You know, and then you know thanks to social media, not, not that this is Todd, but like, you know, you know that this creator you like, you also know <laughs> a lot more about them for better or worse. But you know, it's it's. <laughs> You know, but, you know, hopefully for the better, <laughs> you know, you, hopefully. Or, or it's like, oh, you know, this guy loves, you know, he has this kind of dog and I have this kind of dog and that's cool. And he's, Or he's really passionate about this particular uh, movie or, you know, show or band or and so am I. And, you know, and that's the great stuff, you know, where you kind of like feel that greater sense of connection with with everything. It's just, you know, the pendulum swings both ways, though, I guess so. But no, it I think you know bringing bring it you know the the wrestling aspect into it or the idea of the, it being a boon to wrestling I think it did really help comics but now it's kind of getting to a point where it can go off the rails now especially with the negative stuff. So yeah, it's a slippery slope. I mean It is yeah, you, yeah. You, it, I
0: don't know if you want to separate the art from the artist type of thing. Um, that's a whole different. That's a whole watch. nother discussion. <laughs>
1: That's a whole nother discussion. It's a whole nother case by case basis because um you know there's there's a certain movement in comics that uh is not very inclusive and or despite their their insistences and I'm not trying to invoke their name because fuck them Uh of course. but, you know, it's always a little disheartening to see someone you respect or know kind of like Flirt with them on the periphery. Of of stuff, where it's like, oh, they're, you know, I'm not gonna say names, and but you know, there was an artist that you know was greatly respected and is was, was massive talent, but, you know, I'm seeing that he's like gonna be on like streams with, some of these people, and it's like, does he not know? Because you know, these other people are kind of on the periphery themselves of it, and it's like, that's weird, like. You know, it's it, it's it's impossible to, you know, paint everything with the same brush. But, yeah, separating art from the artist, it's... When it gets to a certain point, I just, you know, like I said, I I can't enjoy this anymore. That's fine. Of course. I'm done. You know, it could be a gray area sometimes, but I think when the lines are more defined, you know, I, I have to, for myself, like, I have to make that cut. Like, of course. I can't. So... But that's only There's my personal things, experience.
0: Like, oh, they didn't pay their taxes. Like, well, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, like the, well, everyone yeah. was busting on Wesley Snipes for the tax thing and him going to jail, and it wasn't his fault. He trusted the wrong people. Yeah, like he had to bear the rent, the responsibility of that. And you know, I felt bad when I realized that's what it was because not that I went around making Wesley Snipes in jail jokes, but like I had an assumption like, oh, he was trying to do something shady. And it's like, oh no, actually, it was the people he trusted did something shady. You know, so it's like, well, then you feel bad for the guy. It's like, because, you know, that happened at a time where he probably would have, you know, (laughs) you know, had a, you know, a career upswing or something like that. So, yeah, you know, things get tricky, (laughs) real tricky. All right, Mario. Well, I've had a blast talking to you. I've kept you on here for quite some time. (laughs) I'm sure you want to get some more work in or go to sleep. I'm not sure you're an hour ahead of me uh so i always appreciate yeah. when people i I'm always appreciate fall when sleep oh, there, <laughs> there you go
0: yeah wake up to go to work early so
1: yeah but no this is fun i always appreciate when the east coaster is like hanging <laughs> in the past an hour <laughs> so um if there's uh you know you'd like to tell the people listening like where they could find you on social media where they can get your work and you know what what else anything in the future they can look out for from you
0: yeah, so my Twitter is the other Mario C, and my website. If anyone wants to go there, check out links to um, the chart or find any of you know uh, my previous works and comics. It's the other Mario C uh, I have an Instagram, but it's really just random stuff, <laughs> and that is another Mario C. But <laughs> Twitter is probably the best place to you know get hold of me, and I have. Uh, I have Kilchella coming out from Scout. I um. I can say publicly that I have something coming with Mad Cave. Uh, okay. I was one of their um their Talent Hunt winners from 2020, and they they said that all the Talent Hunt winners will be part of an anthology, that's coming out from them. So I can I I I know I can't say that, but I can't say much else about it. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's awesome congratulations on that thank well you. deserved well mario thank you again for coming on it's been a blast talking to you we'll have to you know once kilchella drops and it's hopefully an amazing huge success and you have like the first collection ready to come out you come back on and we'll we'll talk about you know how your life has changed after you know you drop Killchella on the world <laughs> hopefully thank you very much all right thanks Great. Thank you for listening to the Comics Coffee Metal podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please consider going to ko-fi.com slash comicscoffeemetal and dropping a tip for the show. That's ko-fi.com slash comicscoffeemetal. All funds raised by the show go directly back into it to help spread the word. If you have show or guest suggestions, comments or questions, please send them to comicscoffeemetal at gmail.com.